Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in. We hope you're having a wonderful day. 
Yes. Today we have a great interview with Jennifer Lear. And Jennifer is a licensed marriage and family therapist, the founder of We Concile, an online program for committed couples seeking help, as well as an educator on the process of living, self-acceptance, and stepping into your magic life. And today we talk about attachment theory. And we've talked about this on the show in the past, but we haven't visited it in a while. And we think it's a really important thing to understand to help you relate with your partner better. So Jennifer gives us the tools to understand what attachment theory is and how we can use it to understand our partner's deepest feelings, needs, triggers, and fears, and also for ourselves. So it's super valuable stuff to dig into. Yeah, and Jennifer gave us a lot of great book recommendations. So since this is one of the episodes where we're actually giving you guys all the bonus content that we would not normally do now that we've created our Love Tribe members program, we'll go ahead and add all of those books and resources onto the show notes page so you guys can check out just how great our Love Tribe membership is. Yeah, you'll see the transition towards the end of the show where we'll mention that we're going into the bonus content. And for just about the cup of a coffee, you can get this bonus content in every episode and add free shows so you don't have to skip forward. Maybe you're driving, you're running, and you're like, I don't want to hear this ad, even though it's a great product. We love our sponsors. Uh, You won't have that on the Love Tribe membership feed. Yep. So as always, thank you guys so much for subscribing, for sharing the podcast with your friends and family. That's what allows us to keep doing what we're doing. So we appreciate you guys and enjoy the episode. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Today, we're going to talk about something we've talked about in the past, but we feel like it's always important to revisit and dive into, and that is attachment theory. And you write that it can help us understand our partner's deepest feelings, needs, triggers, and fears. So that thing seems like an important thing to understand. So why don't we start with what attachment theory is, and we can dive into the different types of attachment and how we can better understand ourselves and our partner through this understanding. Okay, that sounds good. Excellent. So let's start with having you tell us what attachment theory is, and then we'll talk about the different types of attachment. So um, attachment theory is this uh, idea that when we were developing as children, that we, you know, as mammals, we attach, we need to feel emotionally safe and we nurture our, our children and our children are nurtured by us. And depending on how available the parent was, um, it determines how um, it, it's like a nourishing network. So 
um, if a parent isn't available in a, or is available in a certain kind of way, the, the, the baby, the infant or child develops strategies to um, feel safe. And so, so attachment is mammalian need to feel emotionally uh, secure and be nurtured by our caregivers. Um, uh, came from Bowlby and uh, Mary Ainsworth worked on it and a number of people. And it's part of the underpinnings of emotionally focused therapy for couples by Sue Johnson. And so um, when you start seeing how people react, you'll know, you'll start getting a sense of, okay, well, what something must have happened to make them react this way. I personally don't think it's that um, important that a um, couple or a person understand the exact name or type of attachment so much as they start getting a handle on their underlying attachment fears and their underlying attachment needs. Well, let's talk about those. Maybe we can talk about the different kinds of attachments and then the attachment fears and needs. Okay. So um, we have um, secure attachment, which means the there was good enough parenting and the the child and ultimately the adult is secure and comfortable connecting emotionally in a relationship. There is a more anxious attachment, um, which is for whatever reason, the, the connection between the child and the, the nurturing parent created um, wasn't always available. And the, the, the child became anxious about there being a secure base for them. There's more avoidant attachment, and this is um, someone where the being connected was actually dangerous to some degree, and so they are um, the child sort of pulls away from the attachment, and this could happen if you know you had a a parent that was very punitive. There's um, more disorganized attachment, which sort of moves back and forth between like anxious and avoidant or where there's not a, the pattern is more varied. So um, those are sort of just very, very basic um, ideas on attachment uh, or definitions. How would you see those in a relationship? So could you give us maybe a couple examples of what it looks like to be in a marriage with somebody that has an avoidant attachment um, style versus? Sure. Yeah. So um, thinking of a couple and I would say one person, I'm going to just use this as an example. One person was avoidant and one person was anxious. So the avoidant partner was um, always, uh, let's say he, in this case, it was he, the avoidant. he would spend time like in the garage away from his partner. He didn't, the, he avoided the connection. He didn't, he, connection was scary for him. And so what he went for was the surface flirty stuff, generally with people who weren't his partner and avoided finding real connection with his partner because there was a, a layer of fear in um, being present. The partner who was, um, much more anxious, um, she chased after the relationship with great anxiety, heightened emotion, um, demanding anger. But underneath it all was this huge fear that she was being abandoned. And that is being abandoned, uh, that that was um, 
primary for her and, and left her very, she didn't trust him, very anxiously attached. Obviously, this is going to present a array of problems and there's all kinds of different combinations here. How can, let's go with this example, anxious and avoidant. How can they, and from what I understand, this is one of the more difficult um, pairings. How can they navigate that and I guess identify that they're exhibiting these behaviors, maybe where it comes from, and then move forward to relate better with each other. Right. So in this particular case, the, the work was getting her to slow down and get in touch with what she was really experiencing. So instead of being a a train, like racing at him, uh, which scared him, (laughs) um, she had to slow down and go and, and look at, what am I feeling? And it started identifying how, how scared she was, how anxious she was, how hard this was for her. Um, and as she started slowing down and getting in touch with those deeper, more vulnerable feelings, he started seeing a different person. He started seeing someone who was not chasing him, who was vulnerable. And it gave him some room to start looking at what was going on with him. When we when we got way down to it, um, if you get right down deep into the attachment fears, her fear was the fear of being abandoned, and his fear was the fear of not only being overwhelmed but not being enough. Um, so underneath was this: I'm I'm not enough. My partner is uh, accomplished, and this and that, and I'm you know I'm not. And one of his ways of dealing with that deep. Um, feeling of not being enough was to avoid contact and avoid closeness. And so this, this particular person, um, his avoidance stretched a lot wide into, you know, it was easy for him to find people to flirt with because it was very surface. He didn't have to deal with, I'm not enough. He was working with, I'm attractive. People are attracted to me instead of, Oh my God, here's a real person. And who am I in, in relationship to this real person? Do many people with these, the difference in attachment styles, like avoidant and anxious, do they generally attract each other? Do you find that more people have those different attachment styles when they're together? Or um, is it, it just depends on the couple? It depends on the couple, but I think they do attract each other. Like you won't find someone with secure attachment with someone who's anxious or avoidant generally, because they're going to attract in uh, someone who also most likely also a secure attachment because they're healthier. So they aren't going to, they don't want, they don't, there's nothing to learn. If you're securely attached uh, in yourself and you have that ability, you, there's not a whole lot. Uh, this goes back to Imago where we tend, Imago therapy, where we tend to bring in a partner who uh, reflects something we need to learn or a wound or early childhood stuff. I do tend to find that the anxious and the avoidment avoidant, um, pair together often. Um, it's really though any kind of attachment could, could mix with another one. Um, but the secure generally attracts secure, I think. Is having a secure attachment something we should all strive for? Or is your attachment just something that you are, you know, you develop as a child and that's just what it will be for the rest of your life? 
you can um, heal and change how you attach. So I'm someone, I'll use me as an example. I would say I was anxiously attached for my earlier part of my life. And through the process of a lot of therapy and becoming a therapist and a lot of training and a series of relationships and couples counseling and all the work I did, I'm now very securely attached in a very secure relationship. So, and we weren't, neither of us were, I would say, securely attached when we started. But in the process of healing and understanding and talking and making bridges, you can create a secure attachment. So can you maybe give some examples of how you went through that journey? So you're, you're not feeling securely attached and maybe expressing your fears and that communication. Is that what helped you become more secure? So, um, I'm in my second marriage. My first marriage was, um, I would say more significantly more difficult. Um, and I'm, um, so I've been, I've been with this person for 12 years, my current marriage. And, um, when we started, um, of course it's bliss generally when you start, cause you're in love and you have all the endorphins and hormones uh, floating through your bodies. Um, but we hit some, um, what we hit was wounds. So I, we would uh, hit, a, hit a situation where my wounds and his wounds would cause us to not see each other. So I would see someone who was, couldn't hear me, wasn't, wasn't paying attention, was caught in his own world. And he would see someone who got too emotional and was crazy. So what we did is we, we did do some couples counseling, not a lot, but we did some. And I was also writing We Can Sell at the time and doing a lot of learning. And I'm also skilled at talking about what's going on with me. So we were able in the process of uh, between therapy, me working on creating a relationship program and us communicating to really talk out. And I'll give you a specific example. So there was a situation. I have a lot of trauma in my history around uh, pets and animals being hurt or not taken care of uh, growing up. So. We, I had a cat, uh, Hank, uh, and he um, was living with us. I'd moved in with, with my now husband. And we were going to a party. He's picking me up from work and we were going to a party. And he did not put the cat inside. And I worry about coyotes. So I'm scared, upset. And he is very confused about why I'm so upset because in his work, he doesn't have that trauma history around animals. He's like, Oh, he'll be fine. And he probably would have been fine, but I had a trauma history around that. He didn't, but he had a trauma history around women, sort of borderline type women. Um, meaning they weren't uh, secure, became very anxious, volatile. And he had some incidences in his life where he felt like, crazy women were coming after him. So all of a sudden he's looking at me like, did this person who I, you know, love and, and am in a relationship with, is she crazy? So we had a huge, had to have a huge conversation about unearthing, you know, what was I reacting to and what was he reacting to? Cause we both thought the other person was nuts. And as we worked through it and it took a couple of weeks, I think to, to really work through this one. Um, I came to see what he was reacting to and why, and that it was real. And he came to see what I was reacting to and that it was real in, in terms internally. And we were able to sort of make peace with who we both were. And I was able to say, I'm not crazy. 
this is a real thing for me. And he was able to say, okay, I get that you have this fear and I'm willing to do what helps make you feel more secure. And in that way, we started building a much more secure um, connection based on, you know, this is differentiation. Uh, it's all individuation. All that comes into this as you start working with your partner around the parts, the areas where you really get stuck. That is such a valuable, specific example of working through this. So thank you for sharing that. And I got to ask, was the cat okay? The cat was fine. His name was Hank <laughs> with a very, very special Hank. cat. And uh, he was he was a master of the universe and he was fine. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay. So this is a great place for us to go into how couples can do this exercise themselves of becoming more securely attached or working with each other's attachment styles. So what's a place to start for someone listening that's like, okay, I don't even know what attachment style I am, certainly identifying that. And then how can they communicate that with their partner and vice versa, and then move forward with better understandings of each other? So I don't um, have a specific website in my head, but I know if you Google attachment style quiz or survey or, you know, that kind of thing, you could do a, a, a on, I, I know there's um, assessments out there that would um, tell you what your attachment style most likely was. So you could start with that, or you could just read uh, the description of the different attachment styles and just educate yourself. What are these attachment styles? Which one do I relate to? So that's the step would be step one. Um, step two would be looking at um, talking about, well, how does this affect how I am with you? What, what am I doing with you that comes out of my attachment style? How is this hard for you or not hard for you? You know, what does this push in you? What buttons does this push in you and vice versa? And that's a, that would be a good beginning conversation without even getting into a specific incident. Um, but then of course you could get into a specific incident and start going, okay, let's look, let's look at this. Let's look at, um, why we're both reacting this way. So I, I would start there. I, I mean, I work with wounds a lot. The concept of wounds I've found really helpful, which is identifying what your wounds are and can your partner hold your wound or not? Is your partner able to be there for you? Um, in that area of your wound and can you be and often where where couples get um stuck is where they both have wounds and they are not capable the wound is so big that they they aren't capable of being for there for anyone um in that moment but it's learning how to uh find some ground support each other talk about what's going on in the moment and um start unraveling what these wounds are that that are getting activated. Before we continue on, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. We talk about it a lot on the show, and that is going to a professional counselor or therapist. And Sarah and I finally both started seeing one about a year ago, mm -hmm. not even. And we go individually and as a couple and as much great information as we get on the show from our guests, 
it's really been invaluable for personal and relationship insights for both of us. Yes, it's been a true game changer for our relationship and we really cannot encourage it anymore. And and you all may be saying like, wow, it's going to be a lot of energy to drive, to spend the money. And that's why we we want to tell you about BetterHelp because BetterHelp connects you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. So you guys can do it from your home and you can communicate with your therapist via text, chat, phone, and video. And you can choose from over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states that specialize not only in relationships, but also depression, stress, anxiety, self-esteem, anger, trauma, and many more issues. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. And anything you share is confidential. And if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. And best of all, like we mentioned, it's truly an affordable option. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash I do. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash I do. Today's episode is also brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Do you guys want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days? Yes. Sign me up. (laughs) Then you guys need to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. It is an online course, like I mentioned, that we created with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you guys the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. We talk about it on the show, relationships take work. Sometimes they function pretty easily and you coast along, but we've found the reality is, is you have to do work sometimes and to make them better, to change them so that they're more satisfying for both partners. And you've made it here. You've made it to listening to our show. So you guys probably already know that a little bit. But what you might not know are the specific tools and exercises that you need to create those lasting and positive improvements in your relationship. And like Chase said, change does not happen on its own. It takes hard work. And that's why we created the course. Spark One Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. And it's a self-paced journey that's perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And just some tools and strategies that the course includes is to how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve your stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper and more intimate bond, and strengthen your couple microculture, which you will find out what that is. Uh, in the future together. So for our listeners only, we're offering a special of $100 off the course. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount. And there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So there really is no reason to not give it a try. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock for $100 off. Can you talk a little bit about 
what you mean when you when you say wounds and and so people can maybe get an idea of exploring their own wounds and and then communicating them with their partner? Sure. So we'll just go back to the previous example with Hank. My wound was um, trauma around um, beings I care loved being hurt or um, uncared for, and um, that was a serious wound for me. And it entered. It was. Um, something that wasn't just relational with others. It was something in myself where I could go into um, a great deal of anxiety around uh, the idea of, you know, a coyote eating my cat, for instance. Um, and my husband's wounds, wound, this particular wound, because we have multiple wounds, was very specifically, I can't trust women. They are... Um, they act crazy. They don't have my interest in mind. I don't know why they go nuts, but they go nuts and it's very painful. And I would rather not be in a relationship than deal with this. That's where he went. So now I'm someone who's anxiously attached, uh, at least initially. And here's this person who's thinking about, well, I can't do this. This is too hard. Well, obviously my anxiety is going to amp up. And as I get more anxious, this he's going to get more avoidant because my anxiety is exactly what he can't handle. So that's an example of a wound in that, in, in that scenario. Uh, other wounds could be, um, I'm thinking of um, another couple and this couple, the, the male partner had a, a lot of early trauma around being abandoned by, uh, by his mother. And he could not tolerate his um, partner going out with her friends it brought up all this abandonment. That's a huge wound. Now, she, on the other hand, had been incredibly um, repressed and controlled by her mother. So when she wanted to go out with her friends and she had no intention of cheating or doing anything inappropriate, he would latch onto her in a way that brought up all her fears and her wound of being over-controlled. And she would just want to run and go get out with her friends, which made him even more... Um, create uh, really, really, really extreme anxiety. So that's in, now these, this is a more extreme example, but that's, that's how this happens. We have to look at the pattern. And like, if you, one, one thing I call this is um, the cycle and the cycle, this relates to um, emotionally focused therapy for couples in the cycle. One, you have to look at the actual action. So let's suppose uh, someone comes home late. I, I've cooked dinner. I'm use me. I've cooked dinner. The husband comes home late from, from work. I'm angry because he's late and I feel like he didn't consider me. He's upset because he's been working hard for us in his mind. And why am I angry? So this is, so what I do is I start crying. He gets mad, goes into his room and slams the door. I cry harder and go into the door, into the room after him. He says, forget this and goes out to the bar to hang, to have a drink. So that's an example of a cycle. And it's breaking down. When I do this, you do this. And then, you know, you so see, you're breaking it down step by step. And then you've got to get under that. So why did I have that action? Why did I start crying? So you've got to get the, the couple opened up into their underlying vulnerable feelings. Well, I started crying because I felt like he doesn't care about me. And he got mad because he felt like she doesn't see me. Once you open up the more vulnerable um, stuff, you can have a real conversation with that, about what's going on and not get stuck on the surface level of the problem, which is what you see, the crying, the door slamming, the going out to the bar. Thanks for that example. And 
it's so important to remember that because probably what 99% of the time it is the underlying thing there. And if we're never exploring why we're being triggered or why it's the wound, as you say, of, of a partner being out and how that might make you feel like you're being abandoned because you had a parent that abandoned you when you're a kid. Like that's deep, deep stuff that's going to require some work. And maybe in the big, before you realize that it just exhibits as you're like, Hey, why do you have to go out? And then your partner and like you said, it goes into this cycle. So it's really important work for us to do. And, and it's not easy to do. So I think just pausing to get that recognition of why do I feel this anxiety in my body when my partner's out? It's not simply because my partner's out. It, there's something deeper there. So are there any tips or, or exercises someone can do to dig into those underlying triggers? Yeah. So, um, it's, this is if you actually did the We Can Solve program, but I'll probably put some of this stuff out in, um, I'll probably do a blog post on this because it's really important. Um, I have a menu of a tat of words. So there's um, attachment, the attachment needs and the um, attachment fears. So you have to actually start looking at, so I'm going to give you some example, attachment fears. I'm afraid of being abandoned. I'm afraid of not being enough. I'm afraid that you don't love me. I'm afraid that I'm not important to you. I'm afraid that you don't really care about what I need. I'm afraid. So those are a bunch of attachment fears. Uh, the opposite would be the attachment needs. I need to know that you won't abandon me. I need to know that you care about what's good for me. I need to know that you care about what I'm, I'm feeling. I need to know that you think I'm enough. I need to know all of that. So as you start identifying what is your or attachment um, needs and fears. And usually you can get to it to the, by, get to the fears more easily. And then you can use that to get to the needs, uh, do the fears first, because they're easier to identify. Um, what are you really afraid of? And then you can start talking about how this fear um, underlies. So let's take a conflict. Um, partner A wants to go to his parents, her parents' house for, a holiday and partner B doesn't want to, doesn't want to do that. Uh, We always go to the parents' house. I don't want to do it. Let's do something else. Part. So you would think, so they get in a fight partner A and partner B both want to do different things. And they think they're fighting about whose house they're going to go to for the holidays. What they aren't talking about is when it is, I feel like you don't care what I need. I feel like you don't understand how, and you have to get into that kind of conversation. It doesn't mean they're going to meet their, their needs are the same, but they're going to start talking about what's real instead of talking about the distraction of whose house are we going to the holidays for? Cause that's not what it's about. It's about underneath. Do you care about what's important to me? And you've got to get to that level to open up the work that you need to do to start healing this, what's going on. It's so important. And, and really, we can just start asking ourselves these questions and digging in. And if you've never done it, it's probably scary and hard at first. But do you recommend just kind of sitting down and contemplating these things? Or is it also in the moment as these feelings come up? I think it'd be really hard to do in the moment for most people because uh, you're really caught in the... Um, 
uh, you aren't calm enough. The, the intellect gets hijacked by the emotions. And uh, you, you actually need to be calm and really sit down and think about what, what are the things that, I'm, that I need most. Um, and it can't be, I need you to go to my parents' house. It has to be, I need to know that you care about what's important to me. So you've got to get to, you have to, um, and I, in, in the moment, yeah, you can do it in the moment once you've had a lot of practice, but the, your, your, you know, your regular person out there hasn't practiced this way of thinking or discerning or analyzing. And so you actually have to actually make it a sort of a homework and uh, look at it is, is what I would say. That would be the best way to start. Um, yeah, it's really, 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 um, that's why, you know, that's why people do therapy. It's why they listen to, they take workshops, they, you know, learn, do educational programs because we, you know, if you're in a closed system, you've got to open the system up and get new information in. This is new information for a lot of people. And it's not just, a, you know, at their fingertips. They have to actually find a way to in, in, integrate this new information into their, their selves and their relationships so they can use it and change What's going on? Because relationships really are a closed system. It's just you and your other person. And you are, you've learned what you learned by osmosis growing up. And you're in this, this thing where there's not, how do you change it when you don't have anything new coming in? Have you ever worked with any clients that found that their attachment style changed later in life due to a trauma that had happened or maybe a divorce where maybe they were secure, but then due to um, relationship issues or marriage, they became anxious or avoidant and then brought that into any new relationships that they had? So I'm not thinking of anything, anyone specific off the top of my head, but I do think that can happen where the trauma can be great enough that it um, undoes some of the security they had. Yes, I, I think that absolutely can happen. And how would somebody go about working through that? Obviously, therapy is probably highly recommended. Is there anything else? Um, I guess a lot of the things that you had mentioned, you know, working mm -hmm. on. Um, is there anything else that you would recommend? I would say, so this is a similar scenario to let's suppose you're in a relationship and the partner has an affair. And you didn't know it. Uh, this is there's a similarity here. And the similarity is, um, where were you that you didn't realize this was going on? Like, what did you accept? Were you accepting too little? Too little. Um, and I am thinking of a, a, a particular situation right now where the, the, the female partner accepted too little and gave too much. And as a result, there was a, a, a long, a long affair that she didn't know about. Um, and of course, when it erupted, it was um, a big, horrible thing. Um, so, yeah, so uh, I think you can be securely attached, but some, still maybe just because you're securely attached doesn't mean that you are 100% healthy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you always pick the right person. Um, you may pick someone, you may be someone who still, even though you're securely attached, you give too much or, you know, something else is going on. So it's a, it's a call to look at how, why, you know, what, not that you to be blamed because there's no blame here, but what was, what was happening that I, um, why did I pick this person? What was, what was there for me to learn? 
what, what, you know, what positive can I take away from this? Because there's always something, even if it means you need to learn how to uh, take that stable, secure attachment that you thought you had and, and build it, make it deeper, make it more solid and pick someone who's worthy of it. Well, Jennifer, you have given us and our listeners some great things to think about and explore. Before we move on to the bonus round of questions, are there any things you want to emphasize or some things we may have skipped over before we go forward? Before we continue on with the bonus content, we just want to remind you that these bonus questions are typically only available in our Love Tribe membership. But for the next few weeks, we are giving you guys a sneak peek of what these bonus questions are like so that you can fall in love with all these questions as much as we do and want to subscribe to continue listening to them. So again, for the next couple of weeks, these bonus questions will be included in the episode. But if you want to continue to hear those bonus questions, forever, you can become a Love Tribe member by visiting our website, idopodcast.com, or by clicking on the link in the show notes to easily sign up and gain access to these bonus questions as well as ad-free episodes. Enjoy. Um, I think it's, um, it's great to know your attachment style, uh, but I don't think it's essential. I think it's essential to identify what your triggers are, what your wounds are, what your needs are, and and your partners, and to create the space where you can actually hear, uh, where you not only identify your own, but you can be there and hear your partners. Because a lot of what happens is when we're triggered, we become a one-person uh, sort of system and there is not it's very difficult to reach forward to our partner and be there for them because of the state we're in and a lot of the learning if you look at stan tatkin for instance who does the um psychobiology of um couples uh neurobiology psychobiology he looks at how when you hold each other your bodies calm down so there's a lot of um you know, when you're triggered, you're not, you're, you're not in that place where you, someone needs to reach forward and like hold the other person so that the bodies can start calming down. Uh, and you don't have to stay in this traumatized conflict place for as long. And over time, you'll find as you practice and learn this stuff, the conflicts will get shorter and shorter. And eventually they will, they will be resolved in like two sentences. That's been my personal experience. And so there really is hope. This stuff is really learnable. It's just, um, you have to, you just have to know that it's possible and decide that it's worth doing, which obviously I think it is. Two sentence conflict resolution <laughs> is definitely yes. a goal, <laughs> a, a, a goal worth going for. So if we get there, that'll be a beautiful thing. Jennifer, we're going to jump into the bonus round of questions. What is one daily actionable tip that can help improve a relationship? Um, one daily actionable. So um, this would be, this would go to the Gottmans. Um, you got to stay positive. If you're feeling critical or you're using yourself in a way that's critical or contemptuous or any of that, you're... Um, you're heaping more debris on your connection. Really, really important to look for what do I like about this person? 
what, what do I care about? What's the, you know, what's, why did I fall in love with this person? So, and be kind, know that they're as vulnerable as, as you are. Everybody's vulnerable. It's really uh, difficult when we're all triggered and we don't know how to be there for each other for both parties. And it's really good to remember that. What is one book or a resource you'd recommend for couples? Um, well, obviously, since I wrote Weconcile, I would recommend Weconcile, which is a intensive, uh, I'd say intensive. Right now, it's probably going to get streamlined in, into smaller bits. But right now, it's a, it's a complete relationship overhaul um, educational program. I would recommend that. Um, uh, Sue Johnson's Hold Me Tight is really good. Um, it gets into the need to, to, um, be, uh, really there for your partner. Um, if you haven't done any therapy or need to really get into your family of origin stuff, an old book uh, by Bradshaw is the family. That's really useful. It really sort of depends where you're at. Are you, you know, how are you with your, you know, are you facile with your emotions or not? Do you understand your family history and how it impacted you or not? So many times you get people coming in saying, I had a great family growing up and then you get into it and it was not great at all. Um, so you have to, you know, that's the very basic stuff before you even get into how do I deal with my partner? Do you have any specific advice for newlyweds or engaged couples at the start of a long-term relationship journey? Absolutely. <laughs> so um, it is always so hopeful going into a, a relationship or a marriage, and yet the divorce rate is pretty high still. Um, and it's wonderful that it's hopeful. But instead of spending your $30,000 on a wedding, put some of that money into what's going to happen when the, the love chemicals die down. Put some of that... In, Put some of that into either some premarital counseling, some workshops, some learning about relationships. Because whenever you're in love, it's easy. It's when you've got stressors or a sick child or lose a job or, you know, have a parent dying or you just have a different conflict style or different needs. That's when all the hard stuff comes up. And that happens over the long haul, not, you know, generally necessarily before the wedding. What advice would you give our single listeners who are looking for love? Um, yeah, work on yourself. I, I wrote a book. Um, it's just a little quick, easy to read book called The Magic Cake, The Seven Ingredients of a Relationship Ready Person. And that um, go, helps a person determine the it looks at very specific qualities and determine, you know, number one, have I developed these qualities in myself? And number two, am I aware that I need these qualities in my partner? And it's a way to sort of just uh, has exercises in it and stories and uh, examples, but it's a way to sort of see where you're at and where, what you, it's going to open up your thought process into, oh, I, I, I never thought of this. I need to actually, character is important. You know, people, we aren't taught about character, but character is important. Is this a person who honors their word or does what they say? You know, there's all these different qualities that you can look at and, and apply to yourself and to other people. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show, 
giving us all this great information, exercises, and things to talk about. Our listeners can find all the information, the links to your website, and the book recommendations in the show notes and on our website at idopodcast.com. And we appreciate your time. Um, thank you very, very much. Um, I did want to say one thing. There is a quiz on the website. Um, if you go to uh, com slash quiz, it's a relationship quality quiz, and it will help you see uh, what is and isn't going on in your relationship. But it was lovely talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, Love Tribe. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the important links are on the show notes page on our website at idpodcast.com. And while you're over there, we hope you check out our 14 day happy couple challenge, as well as all the free resources we have on our website. And thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.